Thank you for watching NTD Business coming up. America only has 25 days worth of diesel left in its commercial inventories. A 15-year low as prices remain high. Should we be worried? And the UK's new Prime Minister Liz Truss resigns. I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected. She was only in office for six weeks, the shortest serving Prime Minister in British history. And the green energy transition could have a dark side. It may be linked to human rights abuses like child labor. We take a closer look. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. The United States has only 25 days of diesel supply left in its commercial inventories. Levels haven't been that low since 2008, 15 years ago. They've dropped significantly since President Biden took office, and now we're also facing energy shortages, sky-high inflation, and sky-high gas prices. Meanwhile, the demand for diesel has hit a 15-year high. This has brought us some of the highest diesel prices on record. And the price of diesel impacts the cost of pretty much everything else. Pretty much everything. Diesel powers the whole world's economy. It fuels industrial vehicles like trucks, trains, and planes. These vehicles are a crucial part of creating and transporting the goods we buy and the food we eat. As long as diesel prices are high, the prices of almost everything will be higher than they otherwise would be. In other words, persistent, stubborn, high inflation. So why is supply so low? Two big reasons. One is the war in Ukraine. This forced the West to slap sanctions on Russian energy products. Sanctions on Russian oil have disrupted global supply chains, leading to a shortage of diesel globally. So American companies are now exporting diesel to meet that demand. But that's left a shortage here at home. And the major reason is a lack of U.S. refining capacity. Diesel fuel is made in refineries, and too few refineries are fully operational. Former chief analyst at the International Energy Administration, Anthony Hoff, told us why. We had a significant reduction in refining capacity over the last few years um, during the, uh, the, the COVID-19 lockdowns. And as demand rebounds, uh, we're finding ourselves short of refining capacity. So we can either increase our capacity to make diesel, or we can um, act on demand, or prices can do their magic and, and constrain demand. We can move some power generation capacity to backup generators that could be solar powered, for example. So there are solutions, but the solutions are not really um, something you can implement overnight. So high prices could discourage people from buying diesel, but that could mean refineries produce less. Not good news during a diesel shortage. So then how about we just build more refineries or increase capacity at the ones we already have? Bob Bilbrook, whose family owned a business in the oil refining industry, says that isn't happening right now. There's only a handful of refineries available for refining oil and gas today. And the biggest ones in the West Coast are in Anacortes, Washington, and the other one is in Long Beach, California. With Long Beach, California, you have all kinds of EPA rules that are in effect. So the type of fuels they do and what help the amount of fuels they can do are somewhat limited. Anacortes is somewhat the same way because Washington State has very similar EPA, you know, uh, the EPA laws are you know, national, but they also have state regulations around environmental protections. So you have limited um, refining capacity. 
So in other words, government regulation is making it difficult to create more refining capacity. And that means government regulation is making it harder to fight inflation. And not just that, but a big cultural push towards renewable energy sources discourages building more refineries. Refineries are big production facilities that take a lot of time, a lot of effort, and money to build. Very few want to invest all that time, effort, and money when the sitting president says he wants to end fossil fuels. And in this rush to renewable energy, many don't consider the very real problem of child labor in the supply chain. So a big part of the transition involves electric cars replacing gasoline and diesel vehicles, right? And we know that electric vehicles are powered by lithium-ion batteries. And this is where the problem lies. A key component of lithium-ion batteries is cobalt, and children are being used to mine this mineral. I saw a photo of a Congolese child without a leg. That child lost his leg in an artisanal mine in the Democratic Republic of Congo. For just as rubber once motivated the greed of men, today it is the quest for cobalt, for batteries, and lithium for solar panels to power the so-called green economy that motivates human rapacity. And that was Congressman Chris Smith in a hearing earlier this year. It was about child labor in the mining industry in Congo. Around 60% of the world's cobalt supply comes from Congo. There are large numbers of unregulated mines that use children as young as seven to mine the minerals. And as you can imagine, the working conditions there are deplorable, even for adults. Children there are breathing in cobalt-laden dust that can cause fatal lung diseases. According to Amnesty International, children there have to carry heavy loads while only earning between one and two dollars a day. In 2014, 40,000 children worked in mines across the Congo. This is according to UNICEF. Our report noted that artisan miners are not provided with any protection equipment. They work seven days a week and more than 12 day hours a day. In reality, their working hours are not de defined. It includes weekends and holidays. Their working conditions are like that of slavery. And that was a testimony from the Center for Study and Social Action. The U.S. is not a big producer of lithium-ion batteries, so it has to import them from China. And guess where China gets its cobalt? Congo. According to the Labor Department, China imports almost 90% of its cobalt from Congo. Congressman Chris Smith says that China is exploiting Congo's cobalt on the backs of child laborers to power the green economy. The White House recently said the U.S. is now poised to make the most significant investment ever in the clean energy transition. It said that it's critical the U.S. reduces its reliance on foreign sources of fossil fuels. And yet, the U.S. is importing batteries from China. For the first quarter of this year, China accounted for three-quarters of our total lithium-ion imports. Most cobalt is processed in China, which contains a slight majority of the world's cobalt smelters, but then most of it goes to the United States and Europe. Electric vehicles for the first time are now the main users of cobalt, um, and this is likely to continue to grow. And that was Sasha Lesnev. He's a con policy consultant at the Century. Though, to be fair, the U.S. has been trying to wean itself off Chinese batteries. The Biden administration recently added Chinese lithium-ion batteries to a forced labor list. But the thing is, companies that use products from the list are in no danger of prosecu prosecution. 
So it seems it will be difficult for the U.S. to completely stop importing from China. Sasha Lesnev says that there is an alternative technology that uses iron and phosphate, but the driving range and battery life are not as good. He says the reality right now is that cobalt is far from being phased out, so it's on the companies to combat the abuses. And on to Wall Street, U.S. stocks ended lower today. The Dow lost 90 points or three-tenths of a percent. The S&P 500 dropped 29 points or eight-tenths of a percent, and the Nasdaq fell 66 points or six-tenths of a percent. The Applebee's in New York's iconic Times Square is closing its doors. Its landlord is demanding that it leaves and pays millions in overdue rent. Applebee's has been serving diners in Times Square for more than two decades and has 80 employees. Now the restaurant owes almost $7 million in unpaid rent. Applebee's is operated by franchisee Apple Metro, and the landlord has annulled its lease. Apple Metro started to fall behind on rent in 2019. The majority of the restaurant's overdue rent began to accumulate when New York City prohibited indoor dining in March 2020. Apple Metro's attorneys contended that the restaurant was unable to pay rent due to the city's pandemic restrictions. A judge on Monday ordered Apple Metro to pay the $7 million in unpaid rent. And also during the pandemic, criminals stole billions of dollars in unemployment aid. That's according to a Labor Department watchdog. NTD Char Marshall has what they spent it on. Guns and drugs. That's what the Labor Department's Inspector General announced were purchased by criminal syndicates after they figured out how to use pandemic relief funds to make illicit purchases. Billions of dollars were scammed out of the unemployment insurance system. Criminal enterprises have discovered that UI fraud is a low-risk, high-reward crime, the Inspector General said. Asked Adam Angievsky, head of a watchdog group, how something like this could happen. So there was an abject lack of accounting control when up to $800 billion of unemployment assistance at the height of the pandemic to people that were supposed to have lost their jobs, Americans that were hurting, that had real needs, and up to $800 billion of unemployment aid was provided. However, up to half of it now, we know, has been stolen by criminals, crime artists, and crime syndicates from around the world. The Office of Inspector General has found that multiple states were unable to prevent improper payments from some of the funds. In a report published on September 30th, the OIG focused the report on four states, California, Georgia, Kentucky, and Michigan. It found that more than $30 billion of the $71.7 billion in pandemic unemployment assistance and federal pandemic unemployment compensation was paid improperly. That's over 40%. And up to $9 billion went to criminal organizations. And let's put that $9 billion figure in context. Zillow lists the White House with a value of $400 million. For $900 billion, you can buy approximately 20 White Houses. You can't buy Buckingham Palace for a billion dollars. That's the price on that is about $1.4 billion. Last month, the Justice Department announced the creation of three strike force teams to increase efforts to combat COVID-19 related fraud and prevent it from happening in the future. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And President Biden says he would back a federal fund for abortion support. The money would come likely from taxpayers. The idea is it would help pay for childcare and time off work so women can get abortions. 
It's one of his strongest comments in favor of federal abortion support since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Biden made the comment at an interview forum with Now This News. The outlet has a big social media presence and most of its followers are under 35. It's part of Biden's effort to rally young voters ahead of the midterms. And with the midterm elections less than a month away, NTD's Paul Graney talked to Grover Norquist. He's the president of Americans for Tax Reform. Almost all Republicans on the federal ballot have signed ATR's Taxpayer Protection Pledge. That means they promise to not vote for any new net tax increases. Graney asked Norquist what Republicans will do to fix inflation if they retake Congress. Stop the spending, stop the spending, stop the spending. A lot of the spending that Biden and the Democrats are promising has to be voted every year. And the Republicans, as they did with Bill Clinton, when he lost the House and the Senate after two years, they basically said, all of those spending plans you have, they're gone. All the new spending programs, not happening. Spending slowed, and we ended up with a balanced budget. I think you'll see a very serious reduction in spending levels from what Biden had hoped to get. And also, there's a measure to index capital gains for inflation. So if you had a property or a stock that went up in value a lot, but most of it was inflation, you wouldn't pay capital gains taxes on the gain that was just inflation. This would be very pro-growth and save taxpayers money. So what do you think? Because it seems that things are so polarized up there in D.C. You think if, if the Republicans were to take control either of either chamber, you think there's going to be some bipartisan work on this, or you think Republicans are just going to block anything the Democrats do try and put through? Well, certainly what Biden wants to do is tax more, spend more, and regulate more. And the Republicans now, and in a majority in the House and Senate, would spend less, tax less, regulate less. So there will be a agreement, a bipartisan agreement, but they're moving in different directions. So the Republicans will reduce the amount of taxes, the amount of regulations, uh, and the amount of spending that Biden wanted. How much? It's going to go back and forth. Neither party is going to be happy because the Republicans will think correctly Biden's allowed to spend too much, and the Democrats will feel correctly that the Republicans stopped much of the spending and taxes and regulations that they wanted. So there'll be the stop to the lurch to the left of the last two years. It seems by any polling measure, it seems inflation is the key topic this year. Um, and, and I assume it will be for 2024 as well, looking at the way things are, are happening. Do you feel Republicans need to be careful not to get caught? Is partly to blame if 2024 comes? Perhaps voters will say, hey, you know, Republicans were in charge for two years. The inflation didn't get any better. You think they're going to compensate a little bit for that if they do get in? Well, that's a very interesting question because, of course, if the Republicans win the House and Senate, they don't get to run Washington. They can stop some things that Biden wants, but as long as there's a Democrat president, it's a little hard to blame anybody in the House and the Senate for what happens because only the president can sign the bill at the end of the day. So there will be a disappointment, and the Republicans should make it clear. We're going to stop as much of Biden's spending as we can. Some of it's uh, on automatic pilot, that uh, it's an entitlement. You can't reduce it. You can't vote to stop it. Uh, Biden would veto a, a vote like that. So the Republicans should not overpromise. They can stop new spending. They can, in a fight over 
uh, debt ceiling, pull back some spending, as we did with Obama. But there was a lot of blood on the floor before that got fixed, uh, and we reduced the spending that that, by, that, that Obama wanted. Uh, so neither side's going to be very happy. But the more the Republicans can bring spending and regulations and taxes down, the stronger the economy, the more likely they can make the case we deserve the presidency as well. Governor Norquist, we really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You got it. Good to be with you. And big news in the UK today. It's new Prime Minister Liz Truss is resigning just six weeks into the job. It's after her economic program shattered investor confidence and angered much of her conservative party. Lauren Anthony reports. I am resigning as leader of the Conservative Party. Liz Truss quitting as British Prime Minister on Thursday after just six weeks in the job. She was brought down by an economic programme that sent shockwaves through financial markets last month and divided her Conservative Party. I recognise, though, given the situation, I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party. I have therefore spoken to His Majesty the King to notify him that I am resigning as leader of the Conservative Party. This morning I met the chairman of the 1922 committee, Sir Graham Brady. We've agreed that there will be a leadership election to be completed within the next week. Truss will remain in office until a successor is chosen. I give notice that Liz Truss is elected as the leader of the Conservative and Unionist Party. She is the shortest serving prime minister in British history. The sense of chaos at Westminster in recent days has been palpable. Earlier, Conservative Party officials had gathered at Downing Street, while a growing number of Truss's lawmakers called on her to quit. That after approval ratings for both her and the party collapsed. Last week, Truss was forced to sack her finance minister and closest political ally, Kwasi Kwarteng, and abandon almost all of her economic programme after their plans for vast underfunded tax cuts crashed the pound and British bonds. Good morning. New Finance Minister Jeremy Hunt is now racing to find tens of billions of pounds of spending cuts, an effort to reassure investors and rebuild Britain's fiscal reputation as the economy races towards a recession. Thank you. Shortly after the announcement, the British pound edged up against the US dollar, reversing earlier losses. Conservative MPs will now begin throwing their hats in the ring to take a shot at the Premiership. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come after the break, if you've been waiting to buy a used car because they're so expensive, you might be in luck because prices are going down. A paramedic training to use a new special kind of rescue suit could help get to mountain accidents faster. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Americans who's been waiting to buy a used car may finally be able to. Wholesale prices for used vehicles dropped more than 10% year over year in the first 15 days of October. 
That's according to wholesale auto auction company Mannheim. Prices dropped across the board. The biggest drops were for used luxury vehicles and SUVs. And it could be time to take a closer look at your finances because today is National Get Smart About Credit Day. This is an annual national campaign when bankers volunteer to help people learn about developing strong credit. Among the factors that can affect a person's credit score are reports to collection agencies and late payments. National Get Smart About Credit Day debuted in 2003 by the American Bankers Association. And an Iron Man-style jet suit may soon be used for mountain rescue. Take a look. Jamie Walsh, an emergency paramedic with a Great North Air Ambulance Service, has been helping to test the technology's suitability for use by paramedics while learning to fly. We've had probably about eight, nine days worth of training uh, to get to a point now where we're in a position to actually reach a casualty on a mountainside in Cumbria is really exciting. The test flight in England's Northern Lake District took place in heavy rain and with winds gusting at more than 30 miles per hour. Uh, countering the wind is when you're coming up over a ridgeline is sometimes a little bit difficult, but actually if you're expecting it, it's a very stable piece of equipment and, and you can counter it and, and manoeuvre it and manage it quite safely. The jet suit from Gravity Industries has been in development since 2017. The latest 3D printed version has two mini jet engines on each arm and three in the backpack. It can reach speeds in excess of 85 miles per hour at more than 12,000 feet, although for safety reasons they normally hug the terrain at much slower speeds. So what we've really learned as, as a really a jet suit company is that paramedic response is all about getting to the side of that critical care patient super fast, a bit like a paramedic on a motorbike. Earlier in the year, Browning flew up a mountain that takes around two hours to walk, completing the 750-meter climb over a two-kilometer distance in just three minutes, 40 seconds. Our ability to get over any terrain in almost any weather and get alongside that casualty, often faster than a helicopter or on foot, that's turned out to be super valuable. Gravity Industries is also working with elite and special forces, including at sea. Last month, they flew off the back of the Royal Navy's aircraft carrier HMS Queen Elizabeth in New York Harbor. And that's all we have by the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter too if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.